Oldex, Report of Lexicos Aldus Marie, and Study of the Displacement of the Eldar in Segmentum Obscurus, Western Quadrant. Codex Eldar, 3rd edition, pages 46 and 47. Written by Gavin Thorpe, with additional text by Andy Chambers, Jervis Johnson, and Tuomas Perinin. Report of Lexicos Aldus Mari, last diplomatic envoy to the L.A. Topcraft world. Relations ceased due to outbreak of BLZ conflict. 453.m36. Inquisition authorization. Essential use only. Subject, Eldar language. File status, pending completion. Future project authorization. Subject to inquisitorial control. To gain a greater understanding of the Eldar mind, one must begin to understand their language. It is a highly evolved system of communication, developed over many tens of thousands of years. The Eldar have many tongues and dialects, some specific to craft worlds and castes within their social structure, others more widespread. It must be noted that their words can appear in many different sources and languages, and yet have widely different meanings in each occurrence. This is because many Eldar words carry a range of connotations and references to the Eldar myth cycles. Thus, the name given to their most prevalent war engine, Falshu, is most readily translated as Falcon. However, Falshu is not just any bird of prey, but it is, in fact, the legendary falcon of Eldar myth. It is a word that is replete with implications of vengeance and retribution, of justice and the slaying of wrongdoers. In this way, Falshu appears in many texts and is wrongly translated as meaning the warcraft of the same name, rather than the concept of revenge. Similarly, Murek, the name given to the Shurukan pistol, means Sting of the Wasp, another mythical creature which was said to plague the gods throughout the war in heaven. The term, normally translated as human, Monkai, can actually be found in stories dating thousands of years before the first contact between humans and Eldar, and refers to a race of sub-intelligent beasts that lived in the twilight realm of Koldo. These beasts invaded the Eldar lands and subjugated them for many years. The Monkai of legend were cannibalistic, misshapen monstrosities, eventually cleansed from the galaxy by the hero Elronhir. It can thus be surmised that the word Monkai refers to any non-Eldar species the Eldar deem inferior, in need of extermination. It is almost impossible for an outsider to understand anything but the most basic attributes of the Eldar language, as many of its references draw directly upon the Eldar psyche, 
mythical peoples and places and long-lost times and events. For example, Riantha means, at the fundamental level, starlight. However, a full translation would read more like the starlight which shines upon the waters of Ridhol during the winter. Without knowing where Ridhol is, or even if it is a real or mythical place, the full meaning is impossible to ascertain. Things become even more convoluted when these words are placed within a sentence. Elfia Coronia Riantha N is translated literally as the Eldar maiden who weeps tears for the warrior folk in the starlight which shines upon the waters of Ridhol during the winter. In our own rather basic terms, the phrase would translate as widow or mourner, but in the Eldar tongue it is a much deeper expression of grief and loss, with implications of eternal woe and heartache. Personal names are of two types, titles of rank and purpose, or inherited names from the ancient tales. The first of these may also include references to the individual's prowess and temperament. Many Eldar have a ceremonial name and a common name. Warriors often have a third, a battle name. Times and circumstances when different names are used is a matter of old customs. To use a common name at the wrong moment would be a great insult, while to refer to a person by their ceremonial name at the wrong time is seen as fussy and aloof. Ceremonial names often grow longer with age as achievements and abilities grow. The learned Eldar, who was kind enough to educate me in these matters, was called Ale Eltanomoria Slanotatil. Ale of the Ale Tokcraft world, Eltano, his birth name, Moor, the wise, Rea, rising star, Salo, the teacher, Neathatil, family name ending. During common conversation, he is called Elfil, simply a contraction of his birth name and family name. The second type of name is most often used by the warriors, and is handed down from generation to generation from the time of legends. The Exarchs have the names of great warriors from myth, and each successive Exarch who wears the sacred armor takes on that name, forgetting their past life. The Eldar written language is similarly complex. Each rune is not a simple letter form like our own written Gothic, but is a symbol of a concept, much as many words in the language are more than just description. Even more strangely, many of these word concepts, while being pronounced the same, have a subtly different meaning when committed to writing. It is an area that I am barely conversant with, and do not truly understand myself. It has taken myself and my 106 predecessors this long 
to even grasp the most basic ideas behind the spoken tongue, and it will be many more centuries of study by myself and my successors before we can ever claim to truly understand these enigmatic aliens. Study of the displacement of the Eldar in Segmentum Obscurus, Western Quadrant, by the hand of Lord Captain Morley, attaché to the fleet in Sturum of Alien Studies, Docking Complex Heracles, Cypramundi. By the very nature of space, it is only with extreme difficulty that one can locate and record the positions of enemy installations. When one is dealing with the slippery Eldar, the problem is increased. Firstly, they are ill-disposed to the rightful presence of Imperial ships in their vicinity. They jealously guard their meagre territories and are exceptionally loath for outsiders to discover their presence. Secondly, the deceitful Eldar are highly adept at evasion and stealth. Their technology is geared towards deception, misdirection, and eluding detection, so that if one were unlucky enough to stumble upon them, it is entirely possible that one would be unaware of the fact. Their ability to move their vessels more rapidly from system to system than any other known race also makes hunting them down difficult in the extreme. Despite these factors, we can collate a rough picture of their whereabouts in the area of this study. Most Eldar live upon gigantic vessels, known as craft worlds, which travel the void endlessly. It is supposed, and highly likely, that these enormous constructions are capable of warp travel, although there is no confirmed accounts of such an occurrence. Every craft world is a self-contained environment, with no need for planetary colonies or outposts. Each operates independently from the others. Though they often aid each other in times of conflict, it is also not unknown for the self-interested Eldar to fight among themselves. This is, however, a rare occurrence. Due to the sheer spatial distances between most craft worlds, it seems unlikely that the fragmented Eldar have much contact with each other. The schematic above shows the approximate locations of several craft worlds and years of their discovery, which have been detected in the study region. Annotations, including names, are derived from information released by the Inquisition. Doubt is the open gate through which slips the most fatal of enemies. You have been listening to Report of Lexicos Aldus Marie and Study of the Displacement of the Eldar in Segmentum Obscurus, Western Quadrant. Codex Eldar, 3rd Edition. Pages 46 and 47, written by Gavin Thorpe, with additional text by Andy Chambers, Jervis Johnson, and Tuomas Perinin. 
narrated by R.J. Bailey. Thank you to Gav Thorpe, Andy Chambers, Jervis Johnson, and Tuomas Perenin for writing the fiction I grew up with. Additional thanks to Tuomas for helping me pronounce his name correctly, or as near to it as we were able to get. If you've enjoyed this, please leave a review where you found it, or like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, depending how you're listening. This production, like all of Oldex, is entirely unofficial and uncommercial, from an out-of-print publication, is a derivative work with all copyrights owned by Games Workshop, and is a celebration of the hobby and lore I grew up with. If you have any suggestions for other old Codex fiction for me to narrate on this podcast, you can comment, contact me on Twitter at rjbailey, or email robertjbailey at gmail.com. Links are in the show description.